0: This morning we are going to be in Philippians chapter 2, and because I'm just this kind of guy, I'm going to help you fill in the blanks first thing on your sheet of paper. I'm going to give you all five of these, and then listening will be optional after that for you. At the very top, here's what I want you to remember, okay? Okay. If you don't remember anything else today, I want you to remember this at the very top. The way to the top is always a step down. The way to the top is always a step down. Here we go. Number one, something is better than nothing. By the way, none of these are going to make any sense. So if you don't listen, God help you, right? He'd be out there talking nonsense to people. Something is better than nothing, number two, but it's not as good as everything. Number three, having everything requires only one thing, but that one thing demands everything. And number five, everything is given to those who do one thing. I will say, because I learned this last night, it's fun to say those five things really fast together. But I'll let you do that on your own time. Um, So let's just jump right into it. Without a doubt, anybody an American Idol fan? See, I'm not into American Idol, but I'm into the people that can't sing. Um, American Idol has changed our culture. Without a doubt, it's given us people like Carrie Underwood, right? Amazing singer, Kelly Clarkson. Um, William Hung, Mary Roach, Michael Sandecki. These are the people who were terrible, and we still remember them. Um, unfortunately, we've, we've probably come to know the bad singers a little bit better than the good singers, so I'm going to try to show you a, a clip of some of the worst singers from last year in, um, in New Orleans, of all places. It's a great place to be. Let's see if we can pull this off. Thank you, I'm amazing, I know. It's a great thing. If it would play, it would be even better. Oh, if there would be sound, it would be better. It's no good if you can't hear them, is it? My lonely- okay, just, I want to say this. If you're ever in my position, because I want to help you. I want to give you stuff that you can use, practical things. If you're ever in this position... Turn the volume up. That's all I'm saying. Just so you'll know next time. Okay, let's try this again. Welcome back to Gator Country. wasn't for all that <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope man it's day darling take me away from here how do you think you did david it sounded good to me i guess that's all that really matters at the end of the day <laughs> I <It rhymes. laughs> no. no, no, no. the first my lonely days you no yeah, the no, no no Same no 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 Really? My name is Gabriel Franks. I am 24 years old. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I am the next American Idol. caught in a bad romance. Rah, 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 rah. Robot, I want your bad romance. I want your ugly. I want your disease. Uh-huh. I want your everything as long as it's free. I want your love. Love, love, love. I want your love. <laughs> you know that I want you. And you know that I need you. I want your bad. God, romance. I want your love and all your lovers' revenge. You and me could write a bad romance. Oh. somebody in there singing for you stop the things you do oh my dear you've seen the show right i don't care if you don't want me I'll let you be the judge of that one. (laughs) Mmm, don't (laughs) got it. Not (laughs) hot. My God, what I've wasted every time I go back, I just go back to these places and I hate it. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? Did anybody? Did anybody hear what I just said? Left a good job in the city. Working for myself every night and day And I never lost one minute of sleep Worrying about the way things might have been Whoa, big wheel, keep on turning Peral Mary, keep on burning, baby I guess that camp really worked, man. That's a big camp. Burning baby. Maybe you okay. should cancel the camp. Oh, God. Oh, stop <laughs> Okay, everybody take a deep breath. I'm glad that's over with. Here's the point of that whole video. I want you to understand this. We live in a culture where we are told to step up to the microphone. You got a talent, you think you have a talent, man, go for it. But the question is, I always chuckle at these because I wonder who along the way didn't tell these people, dude, you cannot sing. Do not go on television where the whole nation will see you and the world. And then I wonder this, if they did tell them along the way, would these people have believed them? Because we want to step up. We want to take the spotlight. Who wants to step down to the microphone? We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to learn that in the Christian culture, it's the step down that matters the most. Something is better than nothing. Verse 1 says this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So in verse 1, here's the things that they already had in their relationship with Christ. They already had encouragement. They already had comfort. They already had fellowship. What did they already have in their relationships with one another? They already had tenderness. They already had compassion. So I'm asking you, that, they sound like pretty nice people, don't they? Like these are kind of people you would take home to your parents to meet. They sound like they've got it all together. But they didn't have everything that they needed. See, something is better than nothing, but it's not... As good as everything. Paul said that they needed completion. That word completion, it's used a ton in the scriptures. It's used um, when it says that Jesus fulfilled prophecy. That fulfilled word is the same word that's used here for completion. It literally means to the brim. Um, How many of you have ever had a really good southern meal? And when you're done, you've had so much food, you just kind of sit back and you have to undo your belt buckle and your button. And you make sure you wear a long shirt so nobody can see, right? Because you're just full. I watched my son Parker, hey Parker, watched my son Parker one time get full at Outback for his birthday. He just, he was packing the food away. I mean, he was loving that meal because y'all like Outback. Outback's got the best medium, Outback Special, that's good steak. And he's just packing it away. When he got done, he asked for somebody else's and then for somebody else's. And by the time he was, he's sitting back, just, oh, it feels so good. Until he had to throw up, right? He was full to the brim. The Bible here says that Paul is encouraging them, look, Something that you have is better than nothing. And a lot of people want to stop at something, but it's not as good as everything. And if you want to have everything, if you want to be complete, you're going to have to do something else. And just picture this. Imagine these guys hearing the letter, because y'all know that like the church in Philippi didn't have a Bible, right? So they had a letter from Paul. So somebody stands up and reads, hey, I got this letter from Paul. I want to read it to you. It's like letter, letter day at camp time, right? You're at camp. You're reading this letter. And they stand up and they read this list. They're hearing, hey, you've got this and you've got this. And, man, you're doing a great job with this. And, by the way, you've got this. And then they hear that phrase, now make my joy complete. And what are they thinking in that moment? there's got to be something else we're supposed to do. There's one more thing that we need to add. Just add one more thing and we'll make Paul's joy complete. And instead, they hear, I need you to step down. I don't need you to add anything else. I need you to subtract in your life. Something is better than nothing. It's not as good as everything. And having everything requires only one thing. Verses 3 through 5. Paul throws out some stuff that they should do. They should be like-minded. How many of you would like everybody to agree with you at all times? No, you're not being honest. He feels like, absolutely. It's what I'm called to do. Get people to see it my way, right? This is not about having the same opinion. It's about having the same mindset. Kind of going the same direction. He says, you should be doing that. You should have the same love from Christ for others. Hey, if I'm loved by Jesus and you're loved by Jesus, we should be able to share that love. He says, you should be one in spirit, one in purpose. And basically what that means is if you're going to have the same mindset, if you're going to walk in the same direction, man, do it with everything you have. This is like playing poker and having a really good hand. And what do you do when you're playing poker? Not that I know, I'm just saying. What do you do when you're playing poker and you have a really good hand? You go what? All in. And Paul's saying, listen, guys, if you're going to have the same mindset, if you're going to walk in the same direction, don't walk slowly. Go all in. Have the same heart, the same mind, the same passion. And then he throws out things that they shouldn't do. He says they shouldn't live with selfish ambition. He's already mentioned this in one seventeen. Philippians one seventeen actually says that some people preach the gospel out of selfish ambition. The word picture is somebody, you know people like this, clawing their way to the top. No matter what it costs other people. They will do anything to get to the top. I always think of, um, you ever play King of the Hill as a kid? No? If you really play King of the Hill... It doesn't matter if the person come up the hill is a boy or a girl you're throwing them down the hill like this is my hill <laughs> like kids are oh! <sighs> going in with broken bones what are you doing playing king of the hill but i'm king and i'm throwing you down that's the picture here don't live with selfish ambition don't have vain conceit you know people that are conceited they got a really high view of themselves we just watch some of them right Now, look, what we saw in American Idol, that's the perfect illustration for vain conceit. This is the only time the phrase is used in the New Testament. And here's what it means. Empty glory. Now, some of us know conceited people, right? They think that they sing really well. But if we're honest, they do sing well, don't they? They're good at sports. And so they think they're all that, but they really are good at sports. That's not what Paul's talking about. Vain conceited as people who think they're good, but they're really not. People that brag about stuff that they really don't have. Like if I stood in front of you and bragged about what an awesome football player I am. Well, some of you don't know me, but some of you do. And you would know that I'm bragging about something that I do not have. If I talked about how good looking I am. See, Jay's already laughing. He's like, dude, that's vain conceit. You can't brag about that. You ain't got that. We're talking about people that brag about things that they do not have. And Paul says, don't live with vain conceit. He said, don't look only to your interest. How many of you grew up in large families? In mealtime, all the stuff gets put on, and it's like, thank you for the food in Jesus' name, amen. And they're just people just reaching and grabbing for food. It's kind of the picture here as opposed to politely passing it to somebody first right it's like mom as soon as amen's over the prayer's over we're diving in i don't care if you get yours or you get yours i'm gonna get mine that's the picture here don't look just to your own interest but maybe for the first time see the needs of others as well now listen i imagine that when this got read in the philippi church They had the same look that you have right now. Kind of that deer in the headlights look. They're going, wait a second. Paul, that that was a lot of stuff to say in two verses. And I don't think I remember any of it. So I think Paul knew that. And so he sums it all up in verse 5. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. My guess is that Paul knew that they would hear like, that was a pretty good do's and don'ts list. So let's, I'm supposed to not be selfish. I'm supposed to have the same mind, something about spirit. And I, oh, I can't remember what it is. What is it, Paul? What? And so I think he just boiled it down to one thing. And what is the one thing? To step down in humility, just like Jesus did. He said, look, if you don't remember anything else I said this morning, remember this. Let your attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus. The problem is that that one thing, stepping down to the microphone, it will cost you everything. And he showed us that just in Jesus' life alone. Verse 6 says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross paul takes jesus and describes to us what it looks like to step down i mean do you hear that at every mo- it's like okay i'm equal with god but i'm going to humble myself i'm going to be obedient to the cross i mean at every point he's stepping down more and more Equality with God, he didn't grasp that. Again, Paul uses a lot of words here. They're, the only time they're used in the Bible is in this passage. That word for grasp, it does not mean to hold on to it. And that's how we've always pictured it. Well, Jesus is up in heaven, and he's God, and so he, he's holding on to that. I'm not going to let go. We know people like that, right? Like anybody that's two years old, right? You have seen them, they just hold on to whatever they are getting, and they're not letting it go. But it doesn't mean that. It means to reach out and take. Jesus did not reach out and take. He didn't demand of God. I'm not doing that. Now, I don't know what you grasp in your life, I don't know what you draw the line at. Um, look, honey, I love you. I'll dry the dishes. I am not sticking my hand in a toilet with a brush. Hey, boss, I hope your company succeeds. And um, I'll do whatever I can as long as I get my cut. But there's no way I'm staying five minutes over to help you if you don't pay me. I don't know where you draw the line. I don't know where you reach out and grasp something. But what we're learning in this passage is that when you have the heart of a servant, you don't reach out and grasp. Because our Lord didn't reach out and grasp. He opened his hand. And he said, I will willingly... Step down. Total contrast to our culture. So even though he didn't have to, he did. He stepped down. He kept stepping down as a servant until finally he was on the cross. As far as he could go, Deuteronomy 21, 23, just shot that down, you can read it later. Just was part of the law. It said that anybody that hung on a tree was cursed. Jesus, I mean he's the guy like with the halo, right? The long hair, the guy we sing about and we worship. The Bible says that he stepped so far down he was equal with God and when he was done stepping down he was cursed by God and that's crazy to me a lot of us can relate to having things taken from us can't we somebody takes something they take your position they take your property not here. Jesus didn't have anything taken from him. Do you read that? It says he, he didn't consider it something to be grasped. He made himself nothing. He took the nature of a servant. He was found in human likeness. He was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. He was obedient to death, even death on a cross. I mean, nowhere in there is God well, I'm just going to be a jerk. I'm taking that from you, Jesus. Jesus willingly stepped down. I mean, some of us are you okay with me asking you that question? Are you willing to, to, to step down intentionally? To demote yourself intentionally? Instead of stepping up and taking what is rightfully yours, are you willing to step down? It's a little difficult to say. It's probably harder to hear. But, I mean, if we're Christians, we're little Christs. We're Christ-like. And we're reading about what Jesus did. And I don't know how you are with that, but I read that and I start asking myself this question. If I'm supposed to be like Jesus, am I? Do I do this? Do we do this? Do we step down? That one thing demands everything. Number five, everything is given to those who do one thing. Verses 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So, real quick. Therefore just ties it all together because Jesus did all these things because he willingly stepped down as a result of that God did something. And what did God do? He exalted Jesus. It was not a reward. God didn't um, hold like this carrot in front of Jesus the whole time he's on earth going, hey, buddy, if you'll keep going soon, you'll get exalted. Come on. Follow me. Yeah, through the cross. Come on. Good boy. Good boy. Good boy, Jesus. That's not what this is. This is just the natural conclusion of servanthood. When we step down in obedience, this is what happens. The natural result is that we get, he gets exalted. To write these down. Mark 10, 31. Matthew 20, 16. Luke 22:25 to 27. Those verses just show, without a doubt, that in God's kingdom, the way up is down. The first will be last. You want to be the greatest, be the servant. And look, I know that this is not rocket science, and this is probably not something you've never heard before, but let me ask you this: Is it something that you started living before? Have we lived this? Do we live this on a regular basis? God exalted him. Again, the only time this word is used, and it means to super exalt. That sounds cool, doesn't it? Well, what what are you getting for your birthday? Super exaltation. Right? (laughs) Sounds awesome. Jesus was super exalted by God. It literally means to the highest place. So think about the word pictures that Paul's giving us. He says, make my joy complete. And when you're complete, you're full to the brim. There's no room for anything else. Sit back, undo the button. <sighs> Candy. That's when the waitress walks up and says, can I interest you in some dessert? And you just go, Ugh, I no more room. Maybe a bigger stomach if you've got it, right? There's no more room. And when we get to that place through obedience and humility and servanthood, because Jesus was obedient to the cross, God said, I exalted Jesus as high as I could possibly. There is no more room to lift him up anymore. He is super exalted to the highest place. And if you're like me, I read that and go, I'm all in. I'm all in for that. So, yeah, God, I'm going to follow Jesus' example, so I'm going to step down in humility because if I do that, I'm going to get super exalted. And i got to tell you, to be, all, uh, to be honest with you, you're not going to be super exalted because there's only one person that gets that place, and that's Jesus. And maybe that's where the church is misleading people. I'm not sure because we want to tell you That if you will be obedient and humble yourselves, you will be lifted up to a great high place. But you'll never be lifted up to the place Jesus is. This is his place and his place alone. But what I can tell you that's true is this. When we step down, we get the microphone. When you step down and serve People actually want to hear what you have to say because they watch your life and the natural result of stepping down in service is that we have influence in our county who would you rather listen to more somebody that runs their mouth all the time and you and everybody else knows that they don't have a clue what they're talking about even though they say it really loud somebody who rarely ever speaks, but every time they open their mouths, something good comes out. I'll take that second person all day long. I really don't need somebody just to talk, just to talk, just to talk, and just to talk some more, because they like the way they sound. You let your life speak, and when you let your life speak, when you open your mouth to talk, you will find culture leaning in to hear what you have to say. Quite the opposite reaction of what culture does to the church today. Is that right? Is that fair to say? Because right now, culture leans away from church. We don't want to hear anything you have to say. And I will just submit this, because the church has forgotten that we're supposed to step down and serve. We're supposed to follow the Lord's example in this passage My prayer for the gathering is that we would be a place that is marked by service, that is marked by how can I help you, after you, know you first, that we would, in a sense, be the church that holds the doors open for people as they walk through, that we would be the people that clap and applaud other people for what they do and not wonder if they'll do the same for us. There is um, great power in applause. I learned this one morning. I did a little experiment with my son, Will, who um, I, love, I love him. He's, some people are fast, and some people are not as fast. Is that a nice way to say it? So some of you, when you wake up in the morning, you're already dressed, Right? I mean, you open your eyes and you're dressed. You've already had breakfast. Your teeth are brushed. You're ready to go to work. I mean, you're just ready that fast. Others of you, (laughs) others of you, you wake up, kinda, roll over, fall back asleep. When you finally get out of the bed to go to the bathroom, you have to be woken up because you're on the floor between the bed and the bathroom still sleeping. As you're brushing your teeth, you're like toothpaste. You're foaming at the mouth because it's running out, right? I mean, this is some, we're either ready or we're not. And and Will's kind of in that second category. You know, God love him, but that's just the way he's wired. And one day, instead of just getting on him all the time, he's probably like four or five years old. I just decided that everything he did, I was going to applaud just for the fun of it, just to see what happened. And so he would, like I went and said, Will, it's time to get up. And literally, he, he opened his eyes, and I went, yeah, oh, man, that's the best eye open I've ever seen. And he kind of went, Dad's losing it. And then he, he kind of sat up in the bed, and I started clapping again. Oh, man, it's awesome. The way you sat up is amazing. Kind of a little smile on his face. I don't know what's going on, but I kind of like it, you know. And he got out of bed, and he started to go get dressed. Oh, the way you pulled the shirt out of the drawer, dude, that was awesome. And by this time, he's kind of caught on, right? And he's just starting to, like, go to the bathroom and brush his teeth quicker. And he's coming in with a smile on his face to the breakfast table. And when he got done, he picked his dishes up. And I'm just clapping. Everything he did, I'm clapping. We get in the car to go to, to school. I've never seen anybody buckle their belt the way you buckled your belt. That was amazing. Everybody clapping, The whole van's clapping for him, right? Listen, applause is a wonderful thing. And we want it. Don't we? But we're supposed to give it. Jesus did not come to be applauded. Oh, the best Messiah ever. That Sermon on the Mount. Wow. He's like, dude, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to applaud. I came to open the door and point the way. And he calls us to do the same thing. To applaud. To step down in service. To step down to the microphone. Oh, you want to hear what I have to say? Uh, Okay, I don't want to take all the time, but I'll tell you what I have to say. To earn the right to speak because of our lives. So this morning, we're going to celebrate communion. Because it's a perfect passage to teach on. To lead into that. We want to... um, We want to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And, and lots of times we, we take communion, we don't really think through what communion means. Can I just simplify that for us? The Bible says very clearly that when we take communion, we're doing it to remember Jesus. To remember that he was on a cross, that he shed his blood for us, that his body was broken for us. And I think when Paul talks about, hey, don't take communion if you're not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, I think it doesn't just mean if you're not saved. I think it means, hey, church, guess what? If your Savior led the way in stepping down, but you were all about reaching out and taking what's yours, I'm going to tell you something. In a few minutes, when some go back to Jay and some go back to Larry and some come to me, I'm just telling you, don't go. Don't go take communion. Because you're not anywhere near in relationship with Jesus. If our lives are marked by taking more than giving, we do not need to go and receive communion. Because communion is an act when we remember, we remember what we just talked about, that he was obedient all the way down from equal with God to cursed by God. That's the Savior that we follow. And so, before you get up and go, I'm going to ask you just to take a moment where you are and evaluate where you stand with Jesus Christ. Is your life marked by steps down? And if it's not, this is the time. Phil's going to come and they're just going to play some. And this is the time for you to just make that right with the Lord, to repent. To ask God, mark my life by stepping down, by serving others. God, I pray in this moment that you would mark us, God, as servants, that we would not be about taking but that we would be about giving. That people would look at how we serve and say, there's no doubt about it, those people have got to be followers of Jesus. And maybe this morning as we take the bread and we dip it into the juice, as we chew on that, God, I pray that we would chew on what you have done for us. God, how we need what you did for us.